Welcome to episode 61 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. I have somewhat successfully completed our move to the, the other end of the state And as I was thinking about um, trying to set up my office, which I tried to start that today and my desk broke. So (laughs) as I'm thinking about that and, you know, eventually not wanting to work from my closet where I am right now, um, thinking about how to set up an office space for telehealth. And we've talked about this before. There's some basic things like, you know, make sure there's not a light behind you that you're kind of your front lit instead of backlit so people can see you well. And then thinking about some things with comfort too, like having a good chair, um, having plenty of like desk space. So you're not, you know, fumbling around in front of a camera and things like that. And another thing that I've thought about, and it drives my husband crazy that I'm so picky about this and I don't, it might just be me, but I don't like anything to be in the view that reminds my students that I'm not in front of them in person. So I've been Mm. trying to put find a place to put my microphone because I just got a microphone. I do love it. I love the sound quality with it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like if it is visually in front of me, then it reminds my students, like, I'm not there with you in person. It might just be me in a mental thing with me, but I like to make it as close to a face-to-face, um, interaction as possible. So just thinking about that, is there something in your room that's going to remind, feel like a barrier between you and feel like, um, this isn't as the same as it is in person. So I'm trying to create a space to think of all of those things and, um, you know, have something that's not too distracting behind me and all of those things that we've have found out in the last year or in my last five years, but I think Mm -hmm. everyone has figured out in the last year of what makes a good office space and a bad office space for telepractice. Well, those are great. Great suggestions, great tips uh, for setting up a new space. And as I mentioned, you, you've moved. I think we're we're selling our house and moving. So now kind of redesigning. Right, my, taking the uh, opportunity to exactly. change things. <laughs> try to, try to uh, have a, a real office and, and a studio kind of uh, situation mm-hmm. uh, that works well. So yeah, I'm trying to really think through that and and maximize the space that I'll be moving into. So it's it's exciting to to think through all that and to and to set it up and the way you want it now. Yep. Uh, so uh, on the podcast today we have uh, Georgia Malandraki, and she is an associate professor at Purdue. And Dr. Malandraki has been uh, doing a lot of work in dysphagia and swallowing disorders and using telepractice and telehealth to do both diagnostics and treatment. So I'm really, really excited to hear from her and to learn more about the iEat lab, which she has set up there at Purdue. So we we finally got her on the show and I'm glad we'll be, uh, be able to talk to her.
Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Hey, Dr. Mylon Draki, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Can you uh, give us a little more about your background? Yeah. Well, hello. Thank you so much uh, for having me. It's a great pleasure and honor to be talking to both of you. Um, so uh, I'm Georgia Malandraki. I'm an associate professor in speech, language, and hearing sciences at Purdue University. Um, uh, and I also, uh, I guess I need to mention that I also have the honor to be the president-elect of the Dysphagia Research Society this year. Uh, so that's another um, uh, responsibility that I, mm-hmm. uh, I take very seriously and I, I feel very honored about. Um, my, I'm a speech language pathologist by training. Um, my PhD was in speech and hearing sciences and neuroscience. Uh, and my early work, uh, as, as, as well as the part of my work right now, is on the neurophysiology of swallowing and better understanding um, how the nervous system, all levels of the nervous system, from the brain to the muscles, control swallowing. How are they impacted in patients with neurogenic dysphagia? and how we can uh, develop more effective treatments for these patients. Uh, so that's that's part of um, uh, my background and how my work started. Um, in uh, Since my PhD though, I was also involved through uh, my great mentor, Dr. Adrian Perlman at the University of Illinois um, with um, one of the biggest projects in the area of dysphagia telehealth, um, where uh, Dr. Perlman was uh, proposing to validate the use of telefluoroscopy uh, or tele-MBS, basically, mm-hmm. um, for diagnosing swallowing disorders. So I was very involved in that project. And through that project, I became very passionate about uh, uh, the use <laughs> of telehealth as well. And uh, although in the past it was not a primary research interest of mine, it has become in the last few years and definitely since the pandemic started. So um, I would say that both areas of neurophysiology and telehealth uh, are the two areas uh, that um, I'm mostly involved in in the area of dysphagia research. That's exciting. And so I think as we start to think about... uh, dysphagia and telehealth. Can you describe sort of the process that happens when you are actually doing diagnosing or treating any type of swallowing disorder through telehealth? How would that actually work so that everyone understands how it can be successful? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question. I think that is in many people's minds. So how, how is this possible? And that's a very frequent question that we get. 
Um, well, first of all, uh, just with any other service delivery model, especially if it's new to us, there, there need to be some kind of prerequisites right, in place mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. we jump into actually using the service delivery model. Uh, and for dysphagia, things are not different. In, in some ways, it's even more important that those prerequisites are there to ensure the safety of the patient, as well as to safeguard our licensure and our practices, right? Um, so it's good for the patient and for us as well. Um, so when I'm talking about these prerequisites, and I'm sure that both of you are very familiar, I'm talking about you know legal safeguards, privacy mm-hmm. and confidentiality safeguards, making sure there's a safety or emergency plan in place that the patient or caregivers and or caregivers have agreed to, um, uh, and ensuring that we have all the technology safeguards, the te- technical defenses in place, um, uh, the technology available, the internet connectivity that we need in order to provide services adequately. So once those kind of prerequisites are in place, and I'm really very briefly summarizing them, we I- have extensively talked about them, not only us, many other people in the literature and mm-hmm. so many guidelines online right, right now on this, uh, including on our um uh, Produa Eat Lab website. So if people want to know more about more specifics, they can definitely uh, refer, uh, go go there. Um, so once those prerequisites are in place, then the, the specifics the, uh, of the clinical adaptations that you need to do are not that difficult, meaning that the, the clinical evaluation doesn't, really, for example, let's start with the clinical evaluation. Now, the first thing you do is establish rapport, uh, take a case history of the patient, right? Collect information as much as possible from other professionals as well. This is not something that cannot be done via telehealth. It can be done. You know, a lot of uh, medical records are nowadays available, first of all, online um, through secure systems, of course. Um, mm-hmm. uh, doing a case a history interview and establishing report via you know uh, telehealth is it has been shown many times that it's it's very feasible very reliable very valid very easy to do um, there are many forms that now people have converted into online forms so they can be completed mm-hmm. online very easily so both um, synchronous and asynchronous methods can be used for that part when we go into the actual clinical assessment that typically involves, um, a detailed cranial nerve examination and or oral trials, which is a big sore uh, point probably for a lot of people. Well, the, what I have found through our work and through the research that we've done and the clinic uh, the, and the practice that we've done, especially in the past uh, year or so, um, most components of the cranial nerve exam are also very doable via telehealth, Um, meaning with very small adaptations, making sure that you can see and hear what you need. So again, the technology plays a role in making sure that you have the visual stimuli you need and and the auditory stimuli you need to to understand if there's a cough or or if there is a, um, you know, if a specific structure in the mouth or the throat is moving appropriately or is, is functioning appropriately or not. Um, but most components can be evaluated pretty, I would say, uh, reliably and easily, meaning um, range of motion components and anatomical components, as long as you can see all the structures well, um, can be evaluated pretty pretty reliably and validly. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a little bit harder is uh, components that relate to strength. Uh, and there you either need to have some devices available, which I know is very hard nowadays, Mm-hmm. To, to have 